Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you are just joining us, maybe you have just tuned in for the very first time. We want to welcome you. So here on Mornings with Carmen, we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. Our goal is to um, help equip you to walk your faith out into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. You can text us during the show. The text line's always open. Great way to communicate in real time. 877-933-2484. We talk with uh, a variety of of guests, conversation partners, and um, we talk about the headline news and and we talk about things going on in the world and as Christians, how we are going to live in the midst of that and respond um, in ways that are positive and faithful to the Lord our God. So that's what we're up to here. And thank you so much for joining us. You can Get, you can listen to uh, the show as a podcast at MyFaithRadio.com, or you can subscribe to Mornings with Carmen wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and that way you get all the show notes. So if you're wondering who we're talking with and you want links to the articles or books we're talking about, those are all in the show notes every single day. All right. So for the first time in 100 years, the U.S. Congress has been unable to elect a speaker on the opening day of its session. So Representative Kevin McCarthy from California was nominated by Elise Stefanik um, to be the next House Speaker. But after three rounds of voting, uh, McCarthy failed to garner the requisite 218 votes that are needed um, to become the Speaker. And uh, meanwhile, the House Democrats did uh, elect Representative uh, Hakeem Jeffries to serve as the minority leader in the House. Um And just to note, like, literally the House of Representatives can do no other business until they get this business done. And so let's just be praying that they they get themselves to a point of a a level of consensus where they can elect a speaker um, because they can't even seat newly elected members of Congress, um, let alone get on with the business of the House. They can't take floor votes. They can't have committee hearings. They can't do anything in terms of congressional work. Um, until they agree on a new leader. So there you go. Praying today in that uh, in that direction. Um, also, um, the person who police believe is responsible for the slayings of four University of Idaho students in November, um, this individual uh, was a PhD student at a neighboring university just across the, uh, the border in Washington State. Um, and uh, he was arrested at his parents' home in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Um, he is charged with the murders of, um, of four University of Idaho students. And yesterday, while he was being um, arraigned, he, you know, he said that you know he understood um, what it meant to waive uh, extradition. Um, he understood um, the charges against him. He. 
He said he doesn't have any mental health challenges um, and uh, appeared as he left the courtroom to mouth the words, I love you, to members of his family. Um, This is a person who is a doctoral student in in criminal justice in the criminology department at Washington State University. It's just nine miles from where the murders took place in Moscow, Idaho. Um, And my encouragement today is for us to think about murder. Like, what is that? Um, it's not just an attack on a person, or in this case, persons. It's also an assault on the image of God. It is contrary to natural law. And yes, it's contrary to the laws of the land as well. I think it's also important to recognize here that not every taking of a human life is defined as murder. Um, And so there are opportunities for us to have real conversations about legal forms of life-taking in this country? How do you feel about abortion? How do you feel about assisted suicide uh, increasingly practiced in the culture today? Um, And yeah, how do you feel about murder? Uh, According to the Bible, the prevalence of murder makes a place, a city, a state, a nation, unsafe for citizens and unfitting for the presence of God. The presence of God literally withdraws from murderous cultures. Read 2 Samuel 4. Read Numbers 19. And then we have Jesus who widens the scope of the prohibition against murder by condemning the very hate that we might harbor in our hearts for others. So as this process of justice unfolds in this particular case um, before a watching world, I want us to continue to pray for the families and the friends and the college community of these four victims. And I want us to pray for members of law enforcement and those who responded to the scene and, and everybody involved in the criminal justice system who will um, have any engagement with this case. And yeah, I want us to pray for the person responsible. I want us to reserve judgment and pray for the suspect currently facing charges. And I want to pray for redemption and for God to um, use this, what at least one person meant for evil. And I want God to have the opportunity to use it for good. Speaking of laws, I'm wondering if you know what the new laws are on the books where you live now that we've turned the page on a new year. We're going to talk next with Bill English about a few of the changes in the law in this new year that you might find interesting. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Bill English is back from BibleandBusiness.com. Happy New Year, good friend. Hey, Happy New Year. How are you today? Did you have a good uh, New Year's weekend? We had a great New Year's weekend. Um, celebrated with my parents and uh, and Jim and the kids and Helga, who is the kid's grandmother who lives in upstate New York. She was down here and we did karaoke. Mm-hmm. And there is no video footage. Thank God. Karaoke. You did karaoke and there's no footage. There's no audio either, is there? Because this we is radio, not, right? We did not ring in the new year. We sang in the new year. <laughs> oh, there was no, no ringing. There was singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty <laughs> bad, um, but it was really fun. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm happy for you. Uh, Kathy yeah. and I um, slept in the new year. We went to bed about ten o'clock. <laughs> oh, did I did I lead you to believe we stayed up till midnight? Yeah, no, that would not be true. Yeah, no, 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 we're no, no. I'm with you. We were in bed at a reasonable time as well. Um, let's talk about the the new laws that have gone into effect in the new year. Um, there are a few of them that uh, business owners in particular might be interested in. You wanna you wanna lift those up? Sure. Uh, first of all, minimum wage goes up in 27 states, over half of our uh, wonderful union. Uh, minimum wage goes up. Montana, if in case you're wondering, is the lowest at $9.95 an hour. Washington State is the highest at $15.74 an hour. But uh, check your check your state because more than likely you live in a state where the minimum wage has gone up. And uh, if you're a, a business owner worth your salt, you already know about this and, and you have already prepared to make the adjustments in your payroll. Uh, another one for business owners is <clears throat> California and Washington are now going to require employers to post salary information to prospective employees. And... Um, I, I, I kind of wonder about this a little bit just because uh, we usually post salary ranges. We don't post mm-hmm. an actual number. And so I don't know how the law is written, if you can post a range or if you have to post a number. I would think a range would be acceptable to most employers. I think a number would not. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, yeah, there should be some open conversation based on um, the different who applies for the job and who ends up actually getting offered the job, right? I mean, they're, they might have different. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a range is better, but you and I aren't in charge in either California or Washington or pretty much anywhere else. So we'll just let that go. All right. Um, I'm, not, pot. I'm not sure anyone's in charge in California. <laughs> pot is now legal in a whole lot more places. Yeah, you know, it was on the ballot in five states, uh, and it got legalized in Maryland and Missouri. It was rejected in Arkansas, North and South Dakota. And so Maryland and Missouri will be publishing regulations for legalized recreational marijuana, joining 19 other states, so now we have 21 altogether, who offer legalized recreational and medicinal marijuana. I believe Minnesota is one of those states. Um, those with records on on distribution of marijuana in the past or other marijuana uh, convictions can apply for expungement in some of these states and have their records expunged now that it's legal. So uh, that's happening in Maryland and Missouri. And believe it or not, in Illinois, they are ending cash bail for um, for those who have lower level nonviolent charges. This is part of a uh, what is called the pretrial uh, Fairness Act. Uh, it's really uh, quite a, a a piece of legislation. But for those with lower level nonviolent charges, they will no longer have to post bail to be released from jail. And as you can uh, expect, that has uh, produced quite the controversy in the state of Illinois, because some people believe that when you are uh, charged with a crime, if you want to get out of jail, in order to make sure that you show up to the court, hearing, you should have to put put some money up. And the argument is, is that lower income people don't have that money. And so they shouldn't be required to put it up. Um, I suspect they'll see a lot more people not showing up for their trials as a result mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. That whole get out of jail free card thing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. That wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we're going to continue this conversation with Bill English in just a moment. When we come back, we're going to um, pivot to a conversation about educational vouchers. Um, because across the country, you you may well have a voucher program now in your state. And we want to talk a little bit about that. Um, do you know what an educational voucher is? Do you know if they're available in your state? How would you find out? Do you do you have kids? Do you know kids? Do you know families with kids? Yeah, all of that. Up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you're thinking in this new year you'd like to change the world. Well, you can start by changing the world for one child. We're partnering with one child again, and you can sponsor a child now at MyFaithRadio.com. What happens when you sponsor a child through one child? Well, you're going to be linked to a boy or a girl who lives in a country other than your own, uh, and you're going to help supply for their tangible needs. Yes, they're going to receive the gospel of Jesus, but they're also going to receive educational assistance, supplemental food, clothing, healthcare services, and opportunities for love, friendship, and encouragement. The cost is just $39 a month, and you can sponsor a child right now at MyFaithRadio.com. So if you want to change the world this year, why don't you start by changing the world for one child? Sponsor a child today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're continuing our conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Um, Bill, educational vouchers, like there used to be a lot of debate about these, and it seems like there's a really positive, in my view, positive growing trend across the country um, to to support this. Yeah, there is. There's over 23 uh, school voucher programs now nationwide at the state level. So almost half of the union <clears throat> has some kind of a a voucher program or a tax credit or an education savings program. So, and, and what that's designed to do is to enable uh, students to have a little bit more mobility between school districts or to choose private schools if they want to go to a private school as opposed to a public school. So it does help uh, lower income people to afford some of the more costly private education uh, that uh, that exists at, at the uh, secondary level. So uh, these these programs are going on. I know I'm I'm looking here at a at a table. Um, one of our listening areas is Wisconsin. I know there's a parental choice program in Wisconsin. Is there anything down in Tennessee where you live? Oh yeah, we have wide open choice where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> pretty much pretty much as long as you're educating your kid. Um, yeah, where I live, we're happy for you to do it pretty much any way you want. Um, and in particular, um, where I live, there's uh, there's opportunity for um, uh, choice across school districts, um, which because we have very wealthy counties where I live and then counties with fewer resources, that, avil- that ability to choose you know, where your child is educated across county lines, where I live is really significant um, because it's keyed where I live to property values. I mean, I think that all of these are these like interconnected realities, um, urban, rural resources, property values. It's an, you know, I think where there used to be lines that sort of trapped some kids into um, school districts that were underperforming, I guess my hope is that parents in those zip codes um, who can't afford to physically move can, um, through these programs, send their kids outside of those school districts to other places um, and to to Christian schools if they want to. And so I, I think that um, 
Yeah, I think that school choice is a good thing, and I want to encourage people to consider it where they live and support families who are trying to take advantage of um, particularly, you know, classical and Christian education. Those would be my um, my hopes for many, many people. Yeah, I've shown I, all I, my bias. I've now shown all my bias. <laughs> you know, I'm in. I uh, in principle agree with the choice. I like competition. I think when there's competition, no matter what the industry is, uh, everybody who is competing for the customers, so to speak, has to up their game. And so schools have to compete for students and their and the money that follows them. Then, in theory, they would do a better job of educating their students and providing. Uh, a, a more well-rounded uh, uh, education. Um, some of the drawbacks there, public schools, with few exceptions, uh, really have to take whoever applies. Uh, now, if, if it's open enrollment across district lines or county lines, the rules are probably more um, strict there. Or, or In other words, they give the administration more leeway on who they accept. Uh, private schools all always have had the ability to be more selective than public schools. Um, I do think some point to this is an unfair practice that shouldn't be supported by public dollars. Um, but I think the states are figuring ways to work this out to where it's basically a win-win situation uh, for everybody involved. That's good. All right. I would yeah. like to talk with you about um, your own like Bible <clears throat> reading plan or practice. Um, oh. Because I think that, uh, you know, you have a, a site called bibleandbusiness.com. Um, you are a Bible guy, um, and you're also a business guy. So what is Bill's, like, Bible reading plan, or what are your practices? You know, I kind of thought you might ask about that when I saw Paul's note at the bottom of the email there. Um, I, You know, I have never done, like, a Bible reading plan of reading the Bible in one year or something like that. That's just That's just not my rhythm. Because I write books, um, I tend to spend a lot of time in a very small amount of, of scriptures. So, for example, that that uh, book, um, uh, Biblical Wisdom for Business Leaders, you know, it's basically two chapters in Proverbs. Well, I spent over a year in those two chapters going in, diving deep into those two chapters. So, I do read, <clears throat> but... Um, I tend to have more of a writing plan than I do a reading plan. And my writing plan, when I'm writing, um, I'm doing a lot of research on a particular verse or a word or a concept, and that's how I study the Bible. And that's where I that's that's just the rhythm that I have. Yeah, I um, I am ordinarily studying um, something in relationship to what a group of people that I'm engaged with is is studying as well. So, you know, a small group at church or a Sunday school class, um, something that Jim is working on in terms of a writing project. And um, every day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay uh, ahead of the curve in terms of our growing your faith verse of the day so that at the opening of, um, you know, of every episode, um, we can have a conversation about that particular passage of scripture. So my rhythm is a little bit different as well in terms of like a Bible reading plan. It's not like I'm starting at Genesis and working my way through the whole Bible every year. Um, but it's an excellent practice, and I've done that in the past. It's not my current rhythm either. So I appreciate you sharing yours. It's I think it's helpful for folks to recognize that those of us who are 
um, you know, talking here on air. We are people of the word. We are in the word of God. Um, we are seeking to have God plant his word deeply within us so that um, we we can authentically speak the mind of Christ on the matters of the day. So thank you so much for your, um, you know, your openness in sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. And just one, I, I know we got to go, but just one other thought. The right plan is the one that you'll follow. Right. <laughs> the right version is the one that you'll read. <laughs> and the right time is when you'll read it. So there you go. I love that. I love that. See, that's so practical and so helpful. So thank you so much. Um, you Bill, as always, um, great to talk with you. We love to catch up with Bill every couple of weeks here on Mornings with Carmen. You can find him in an ongoing way at BibleAndBusiness.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. There will be joy in the morning. Are you experiencing joy this morning? Are you allowing the joy of the Lord to be your strength today? That's a good encouragement, don't you think? Um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The, the The joy of the Lord is unassailable, right? I mean, the, the happiness uh, quotient of life might go circumstantially up and down. But the joy of the Lord is my strength, and it is unassailable. I'm going to encourage you with that today. Um, have you ever, uh, wanted to make a difference? So I am a person who doesn't just want to make a difference. Like I want to make the world different. I, I don't, I'm not satisfied with difference making, uh, unless what we're talking about is actually making the world different, um, substantially so. And I realize that that might seem arrogant, but here's the reality. The people of God um, are in the world on purpose and for God's good purpose. To do what? To bring the realities of the kingdom of God to bear in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. And so you and I have an ambassadorial calling upon us to shine light into darkness, to sow peace where there is discord, um, to be ministers of reconciliation and agents of grace and um, ministers of the gospel. Like we're supposed to be the people walking our faith out into a hostile world, a world hostile to the gospel, and sharing the good news. I mean, that's who we are, and that's what we're in the world to do. So how in the world do we do that? How in the world do we do that? How do we take what for many people has become an utterly personalized faith and turn toward a world that knows God not and bear out not only his love, but his justice. I mean, how do we walk humbly and love intently and actually do justice? Like, how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk next with Josh Buck about everyday activism. These are the questions that he was asking in his own life. Like, how do I move from being, you know, sort of a, a privately saved person to a real active, activated Christian in the world? Mm-hmm. Everyday activism following seven practices of Jesus to create a just world. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
A mysterious star in the sky. It's bright like one and shines like one. A baby lying in a manger. There he is, after all this time. And a fulfilled promise. You will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. In Fulfillment is a biblical audio drama, over 40 voice actors, and the fulfilled moments of Jesus' life. Search In Fulfillment wherever you listen to podcasts, or just go to MyFaithRadio.com. Josh Buck is a fellow Christian. He's a pastor. He's also the author of Everyday Activism, and he's joining us today to talk about what what it looks like um, to move from sort of a, a privatized understanding of ourselves as, you know, saved individuals to really activated Christians um, walking out the justice of God into the world that he so loves. So, Josh Buck, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Okay, so uh, New Year's Eve, let's just get a little personal uh, here for just a moment. I've already shared that uh, on New Year's Eve, we did karaoke as a family, and thanks be to God, there's no, like, video record of it. Um, What what, would you do on uh, New Year's Eve this year? We were up super late as a family. I've got a wife, three kids, and there were some cousins with us, and in-laws, and lots of food, pie, ice cream. Martinelli's. It was a, it was a late night, and it was a wonderful celebration. Um, pie. Everybody's now going to want to know uh, what kind of pie. What if you could have one piece of pie and only one piece of pie, Josh Buck? What kind of piece of pie would that be? You know, I'm pretty biased. I'm going to have to go with pecan pie, probably from Costco. Nice. <laughs> Costco pecan pie. I love that. See, there's an honest answer. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, Everyday activism, following seven practices of Jesus to create a just world. I think that um, I'd like to have the entry point to this conversation be actually the way you open the book. Can you just tell us about your faith journey and how studying the four Gospels actually helped expand your understanding of who Jesus is and what that means for how we're called to live as his people in the world? Absolutely. You know, I open up the book talking a little bit about the type of church I grew up in. Amazing church, you know, conservative, evangelical church in the Northwest, and how I learned so much about Jesus and so much about the gospel. And after I started going to Bible college out of high school, I moved out of state and was sitting in New Testament survey and classes on the Gospels, I realized, you know, there was some pretty big gaps in my understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus. And that had to do with um, the disparity between what I learned and growing up in church, just kind of culturally, and what I'm learning in the four Gospels. And when I was reading the four Gospels, I discovered a radical Jesus, a Jesus who was disruptive, a Jesus who made people upset, a, a Jesus who said, you know, I came to divide sometimes, right, as much as you brought unity and peace. And and this was really powerful, and this was a really beautiful thing that I learned. And from there, I decided that I have to understand the gospel through Jesus himself. And that was a, a big shift for me. Yeah, and I I like who you you know who you discovered, right? I mean, I, I think that when 
when we think about um, maybe as evangelical Christians generationally in the United States, um, you know, Jesus has become, well, frankly, kind of pedestrian. He's not yeah. nearly as radical as he actually was. So um, before we get into these uh, these seven practices of Jesus, um, can you just unpack for us why, what is injustice and why is there injustice in the world? Absolutely. So I start off in the, the first few chapters framing the discussion around social change and justice and activism, starting the book of Genesis and humans being made in the image of God. That is to say that we bear a divine mark. We are not God, but being made in the image of God means that we should be flowing with justice and goodness and treating people fairly, not just people, but creation and God, and treating God with the honor that he deserves. And really, it's a call to creating good things in the world. To glorify God is to go out as co-creators with our Divine Father and to do good things and to be good, and that is a privatized thing in that we have internal character and we sin less. And it's also a very public thing. And we see that in the Old Testament prophets, that God not only rebukes people for their interpersonal conflict and sin, but he also is rebuking Israel for not taking care of the least of these within Israel and even outside of Israel, the gleaning laws and the sacrificial system allowing God's people to use animals that that um, were more affordable if they came from a background where they didn't have as much. And this concept of jubilee, and the whole book is wrapped up within this biblical concept of the year of the Lord's favor. And Leviticus 25, picked up in Isaiah 61, connecting all the way to Luke 4, where Jesus declares a gospel that is connected to this Old Testament theme where everybody is taken care of and all things are set right. And when Jesus opens up his gospel in Luke 4, he decides to quote from the Old Testament, Year of the Lord's Favor, and he frames his gospel from within this concept. So what does that even mean, Jubilee? It means spiritual life and social flourishing. So fundamental to the gospel itself is a belief that we are meant to be change agents in our everyday life, no matter how busy or broken we are. Okay, now I'll just I'll just come out and say it, Josh. Okay, you sound yeah. like a crazy person because we can't live like that as as Americans in 2023. Yeah. Like we own stuff, we have fences, and yeah. yeah. Right. And debt. And you can't just you can't just declare a year of Jubilee or even a season of Jubilee. And you can't declare. Right. okay, do you get this kind of resistance from people? I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, sometimes I do. And here's the the trick. You know, I resisted it when I read Luke four. And I'm like, does Jesus really mean that? Is he really that radical? And, and here's something that's very important for us to understand. In the Old Testament, when God declared Jubilee, it was top down. It was, it was from God telling everybody, 
you are meant to reorder Israel to where all the slaves go free, where all the land is given back, all the fences are torn down, and where you um, are able to see this this salvation for for everyone. And in Luke 4, it's a very much a bottom-up proposition. That is to say, no matter where you are in your day, you are meant to bring jubilee. And this is what I love about Jesus. Our liberty in Christ means we're not necessarily supposed to give up what we're doing on a daily basis and the life that God has brought us into and the life that we are born into, maybe as Americans. For some, it does mean leaving and becoming a missionary. For some, it does mean giving up everything, right? It's Jesus talk of the rich young ruler. The vast majority of people who followed Jesus, though, were ordinary people, not leaving to become disciples full-time. And what does it look like for them? They're not Bible famous. I talk about this Mm -hmm. in my introduction. They don't have it all together. They're incredibly busy. They're broken. They, like you said, have a normal life. And what does it look like to follow Jesus? And this is where I get to the seven practices of Jesus, that no matter who you are, what your education level is, how hard life is, how easy life is, your station of life. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or you have a a 50-hour-a-week job where you have to work weekends, that God is still calling you to a life to follow his practices, even though um, your station of life maybe doesn't look like the disciples of Jesus. And that's so key that everybody in their everyday life can follow Jesus and create a better world. Absolutely. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Josh Buck. You can connect with him at his website, jwbuck.org. The book is Everyday Activism, Following Seven Practices of Jesus to Create a Just World. We're going to talk about those seven practices next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks a lot. Continuing our conversation with Josh Buck. I mean, he's a pastor, but he's into a lot of other things as well. And he might um, actually bust your idea of what a pastor is like, what ministry is like. I encourage you to connect with him and all that he's up to at jwbuck.org. We're talking today about his book, Everyday Activism, Following Seven Practices of Jesus to Create a Just World. Um, Josh, we don't have time to talk about all seven of the practices, but we probably do have time for you to tell us what they are and then unpack one of them. For sure. I'll walk through just a few of them really quickly. So I have uh, seven practices of Jesus to create a just world in the book. So I go from how to create social change in the Gospel of Jubilee to seven very tangible steps for ordinary people to follow. These are steps like love, forgiveness, empowerment, nonviolence, and mobilization, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, mobilization is all about doing justice and loving mercy and following Jesus in the context of church. So many people who are justice-oriented are quick to throw out church and be critical of organized 
spaces where when you follow Jesus, our radical Savior, you can't give up on the local church. In fact, I tell stories about the early church being known for their acts of mercy and how that being that how that was central to their faith to embrace this gospel of jubilee and another practice of love where i i uh interpret the parable of the good samaritan where jesus totally upends our understanding of neighbor love and he defines our neighbor not as those that live around us and vote like us and speak our language but a stranger on the side of the road who is our political rival and who is our social enemy and and how how it looks like for Jesus. He told a very the parable of the Good Samaritan is a very ordinary story of somebody going on a journey during their day and finding somebody they need to love and care for. And so we go into these seven stories in, in the book for ordinary Christians to, as your program says, follow an extraordinary God. So I want you to um, take us into the justice matrix um, yeah. in, in, in the appendix for just a moment, because I think that, you know, people can look at the world and say, I want to make a difference, but then be completely overwhelmed at every, like, there's so many areas of justice. Which oh, one yeah. is God calling me um, into? Like, I'm, I might be called uh, into a particular area, and that doesn't mean that every other area isn't equally as important. It's just not equally my particular calling. Can you talk about the justice matrix? That's right. So for people who are going to pick up the book, and let's say they have a passion, they really want to support single moms because they had a single mother, or they, they uh, believe about protecting the elderly because so many of our elderly in this country are in you know, elder care facilities that have a hard time taking care of them. So what do you do when you're engaged in a particular issue? And I created a justice matrix to simplify how we think about where we can serve, either as an individual or maybe you're actually a leader or a, or a pastor and you're trying to help your church move from inaction to we're really engaged in our community. So in this matrix, I talk about how we can think about meeting needs locally or nationally or internationally. And locally is our neighborhood and nationally is some of the bigger issues that we vote on and that we could be engaged in. And then globally, you know, thinking about a refugee crisis or um, creation care and, and taking care of the world that God gave us. And then, you know, the bottom part of the matrix is where we can think about uh, helping with issues that are prevention. So that is, you know, going into a situation before it goes sideways and preventing something from happening, intervention work and reclamation work. That is to say, things have fallen apart in somebody's life or a community is struggling really hard and you come in to reclaim what has been lost. And what I would say is everybody is called to areas of human flourishing and justice. And we just have to look at our family. We have to look at um, our community. We can look at our workplace and ask, how can I make a difference on a daily basis living like Jesus? So that's a little bit about the justice matrix so people can really get going in their lives. If you have ever um, like wondered to yourself or, th or thought to yourself, you know what, I'm too ordinary. I'm too ordinary to be used by God to make an extraordinary difference in the world. 
Um, you know, Jesus doesn't use people like me. This yeah. is this this book is is totally one hundred percent for you. So, um, Josh, maybe I'll have you do this. Answer the resistor who's thinking right now. I don't have time. I don't have capacity. I don't have the experience that's needed to become a Christian activist. Yeah, you're not alone. You know, Carmen, for anybody who's thinking that, you are not alone. If you're like, I'm just way too busy. I'm I'm too broken. I have too many problems. Uh, my family life is too busy. I'm shuttling around kids or I barely have time to um, walk straight <laughs> on a daily basis. These are the people Jesus came to save. These are the people that Jesus came to set their feet on dry ground with the gospel of Jesus, accepting the salvation that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, and then moving in a direction of making social change and making spiritual change around you. And there's this verse, beautiful verse in Acts, and I talk about this in my introduction, where the, um, some of the disciples are going out declaring who Jesus is, and the leaders were marveling that they were uneducated and ordinary people. And more than anything, you don't have to have the right degree. You don't have to look the right way or have a big following. I certainly don't. And for those that really care about justice work and mercy work and all of us who want to make a difference in our lives and those around us, we teeter between despair and hope. And it's so important that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and, a, and really just try and follow Jesus on a daily basis with the people around us that are also following Jesus. And we do the right thing, come what may. That's so much about following Jesus. Um, I love you already uh, as a brother in Christ. I love the stuff that you're um, engaged in in your own local community where God has called you for this season of life. Um, I want to celebrate all of that. I want to direct people to the website, jwbuck.org. you got to scroll around in here and see all the kinds of things that Josh is up to. Um, The book is excellent if you are looking to be equipped and empowered in your everyday activism. That's the title of the book, Following Seven Practices of Jesus to Create a Just World. All the links will be in the show notes today. Josh, um, thank you so much and blessings upon you and your family, your congregation, and your wider work. Anytime. Thank you so much for your show and for being a blessing in the world. Really appreciate it. Um, That's Josh Buck. Connect with him, jwbuck.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Right, so I hope that you find reason to giggle today, um, something that delights your heart. Um, it could be that you're looking out the window and the snow is so deep that you're thinking to yourself, wow. Okay, so if you're looking at snow today, here's a thought for you. The whole unity and diversity conversation, the whole uniformity and then diversity and conversation, like every snowflake is the same and every snowflake is utterly unique. You could just spend the day pondering that and exalting in God's extraordinary creative power. It's not it's not that just God was operating in creation and did really cool stuff like setting it all up. As the snow fell, 
every single snowflake is the same. They're all snowflakes. And every single snowflake is completely and utterly unique, which is boggles the human mind because you can't even separate those snowflakes out now, right? I mean, they, many of them probably like frozen together. Okay, you get my point. Um, so there you go. Something to ponder today. Spend some time just considering God today. Just just consider God. That will lead you to be thoroughly awe-inspired and utterly humbled and so grateful for his presence and his power. Why don't you spend today expecting the unexpected and anticipating miracles? With God, all things really are possible. <laughs> it's true and amazing. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.